Hey y'all, my name is Ajay Jane. And I'm Andrew Brew. Welcome to Civ Tech Talks. We have decided to create this podcast that talks about different people's journeys into civic tech as well as other technical fields. Our podcast idea is to provide college students, early tech career professionals, and people interested in a tech background into what is possible in the world of civic technology and other areas of tech as well. Therefore, listeners would get a quality overview of the opportunities out there that are not just working in Silicon Valley. Hopefully, we can help you make a more informed decision regarding the possibility of embarking on a civic tech journey of your own. So today, our guest is Yang. Yang is a Harvard University graduate who majored in computer science and minored in folklore and mythology. She has a wide variety of both technical and civic tech experiences. She is currently working at the U.S. Census Bureau after completing a data science fellowship at the U.S. Census over the summer as a civic digital fellow. She also has experience working at Twitter, at a hedge fund in Hong Kong, and she's also done the Impact Labs Fellowship. So to start off with, for these profile shows, at least, we want to get to know you from before your college days and why <laughs> in the world did anyone pick CS? So I guess we're off with here. What motivated you in primary school or secondary school or elementary, middle school, high school? <laughs> Along those lines, yeah. yeah. To study computer science, young. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking about this a lot and I really appreciate this question. I think looking back, it makes a lot more sense now uh, I grew up in the East Bay, so I was maybe an hour or so away from Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, and maybe half away, half an hour away from like SF or San Francisco. So my really big, a pretty big public high school perhaps only had like one AP computer science class, and I didn't take that until my senior year. So I attribute my decision to study computer science really to the community I was surrounded by. There were individuals in that community who were connected to this, um, I like to say like this underground startup tech and art community. And it just was located in this obscure second floor of um, a warehouse in a strip mall near where I lived. And my parents didn't really know that I that I was going there really often. But uh, from there, I was exposed to a lot of different people who were working on startups, building like 3D print printers and starting in like early 2010s. They were creating sustainable filaments. There were people building incredible sculptures for venues like Burning Man. And uh, there was a company that was researching really neat technologies for CGI films and using like virtual reality and um, AR. So as like a high schooler, you can imagine it, I was just absolutely blown away. And I had the chance to like shadow and intern with people in this community. So I always say that I'm just like very thankful for these mentors who became like my people and my supporters. And I just look back on this a lot because I think without this, I don't know like where I would be as a uh, 
as like a first generation college student who is like the first in my family, immediate family to go to college and graduate from college. So this sort of opened my eyes to entrepreneurship. I was really interested in actually in biology, but when I started visiting colleges, I met people who were in the entrepreneurship community and a lot of them studied computer science. And I hadn't really thought about that as a path. Um, I never really gave it a chance. So I, I was always interested in like biomedical engineering, for example. So computer science, I kind of could see a relation. So I gave it a chance and took a class. But even before that, I had seen like this Grace Hopper conference and I was thinking it'd be a really cool opportunity to attend. And I guess as a background, Grace Hopper is this really huge, huge conference that happens pretty much every year for supporting women engineers. And it has a career fair. It has all these amazing talks by incredible people at that range from people who are in research to people at like leading huge companies. And I got it. I actually got a ticket, which was, I think was really hard at that time. And I didn't have funding. So I reached out to the club and they're like, yeah, we'll fund you. And I met all these amazing people. Um, and I think that also cemented my decision to take my very first, like pretty much my first official computer science class in college and fell in love with it. And so, yeah, here I am. <laughs> I actually had a very similar experience in high school too. So I used to volunteer at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago during my high school years. And that's where I also <laughs> fell in love with the whole like using 3D printers yeah. and everything like that. Cause you know, my high school, you know, that we didn't have access to anything like that. I think until like around the time that I had graduated when it was kind of too late for me to take advantage of those resources. Mm -hmm. But that's also what got me into like computer science and to, like, and like building things and, you know, being able to create like 3d models and print stuff. And I, I kind of did the same path as you where I was like, <laughs> you know, I want to create stuff. And I thought that, you know, coding for me was the best way to do it. So that's how I actually ended up getting into computer science. Yeah, no, it's it's really amazing how you, you go back and piece together things and you're like, oh, wow. So that's what really got me interested um, in the things I've I've decided to, you know, go into or dabble in. Yeah, exactly. And actually, I kind of want to take that whole interest part and kind of segue into your minor. Because um, <laughs> yeah. one of the interesting things about your background, and I was looking at your LinkedIn and just noticed that you had, you minored in folklore and mythology. And I, I also did something similar with my degree at the University of Illinois, except I double majored in political science because I wanted to apply, you know, coding towards social good. So I was kind of curious, why did you decide to minor in folklore and mythology? And like, what did you end up exploring and learning? And I guess something else to add on to that as well is, do you recommend minoring to students who want to explore both tech and a field that's completely outside of technology? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. Um, I always loved reading, writing, and I loved mythology from, I, I had this encyclopedia for kids in elementary school, and I was obsessed with like the Percy Jackson series as a teen, but I didn't realize until college. And honestly, to be fair, not a lot of colleges have folklore and mythology as a major or even a concentration. And I just didn't realize there's an entire field dedicated to like methodically like breaking down folklore mythology. And what I, I learned was its impact on the building of nations, identities, and how it really started from oral traditions. And so I think before that, I kind of saw saw it as this amazing space to, you know, be around peers who wanted to read like folklore and mythology, but it was like so much more than that. And, and it felt like a subset of anthropology and sociology. 
And I learned a ton about really doing folklore research and learning stories through through oral and how that and, and just the different things ranging from like urban legends to modern representations of like folk, folklore mythology. And like how I decided on it was I was studying computer science and I saw computer science more as a field that I could apply. And I, I wanted to bring like my interests together where I had a very, like I had a huge interest in reading and writing and wanted to preserve that and like that self-expression alongside computer science, which I think was also a form of, you could use it for uh, self-expression. So I was interested in how it could improve inequalities to access to information. So kind of tying that to social good and using that as like, how can you improve inequalities, access to information, such as through better storytelling? Because I saw like a lot of storytelling from, at the time there were a lot of meme groups, for example. So like storytelling can exist in forms of modern time memes and social media to like nationwide historical folklore and the news we have, for example. And all of this has such a deep impact on like who we are and how we identify especially just even reflecting on this past election cycle. So, you know, the folklore and mythology I consumed made me ask like, to who I am and I want to better understand, for example, digital storytelling because those are the new platforms for how people are learning to identify and learn. And beyond that, I, it, like in terms of computer science, I really liked uh, learning about like computer graphics, information spread through networks and the impact of like good data visualization. And so it's always really tough for me to explain why I decided to do both or just like to study both. And it was even really confusing when I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to study and, and decide to do. But I, I think deciding to do it was probably the best decision I made because it helped me break the mold of what it means to be like a computer science student. And I would say that if anyone wanted to pursue a double or like a major and a minor, it would be really helpful to be just strategic and communicate with your advisors about classes, research and theses, and um, really just fully immerse yourself in that double study because it is a lot, especially if it's like two fields that are pretty disparate or they're, it's still really new in terms of the integration. So yeah, but it's, it's your time to realize what you like and not like. So Young, we also have pretty similar career backgrounds <laughs> as well. So you and I both worked at different social networking companies. I was at Facebook during the summer of 2019, <laughs> which kind of given all the news that's been going around lately is not a fact that I completely like to admit that I was an intern at Facebook and, you know, got to ask Mark Zuckerberg a question, which, you know, <laughs> isn't really a flex anymore. Um, but you were, you were also at Twitter in the spring of 2019. So right before I was at Facebook. <laughs> so what was your experience like working at Twitter and how did you apply what you learned to working in civic tech? Yeah, again, I, I'm just completely shocked at how, how much we overlapped. That's, that's really neat. And yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. I was admittedly trying to figure out what um, I wanted to do after graduation. And I didn't know if software engineering or, for example, product management or data analytics or something else was more like what was more of my path that I wanted to follow. And so I, I had a really good friend of mine who was telling me about her like really great experience with Twitter. And I, through her, I applied to Twitter and, you know, she was able to help me out with a referral. And 
I ended up becoming an intern. And I think it made sense looking back because general software engineering was a really great, like I had to start somewhere and figure out what exactly it was I wanted to do. And it was a really amazing experience. I witnessed some of like the interesting ways at the time, the company and the engineering uh, engineers were like grappling with complexities such as the influence of politics that was really bringing Twitter back into the realm, I think. Um, not that it like was obscure, but I think it definitely was on a, like a small hiatus for a bit. But you know, I that's like my my small opinion. And yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's interesting that you said I don't like to like you said you didn't like to completely admit uh, that you were at Facebook. And... Yeah, I, I really don't. <laughs> I actually removed it from my own Facebook profile that I worked at Facebook. <laughs> um, yeah, and and it's it's fascinating. Like I've been grappling with it too, and. You know, I, I come out of the Twitter experience, I've been really just proud and and happy, like with everyone I've met from Twitter, because it's I, I would say that I, I'm not like I would say that I'm actually a really huge fan. And but there are obviously it's problems, right? There are lots of um, mm -hmm. there's a lot a lot of problems with like social media platforms. And I would say like, don't I? <laughs> I would love to unpack why you, why you feel ashamed working at Facebook. I mean, there's obviously lots of reasons and there's so much responsibilities that both platforms like have to take. And I think I've been really kind of amazed at like the stances they've taken. Of course, it's hard and it, it, it like when you're in it, it's so easy to get lost in the sauce of like engineering. You know, you see that you see the impact and, and you're like, oh, well, like at least when I was an intern, I just kind of put my head down and did engineering. And then I had this really random out of out of the blue question from um, I was in an Uber one day and, and they were taking me they were taking me to work and and they asked like, oh, what is it like they had seen where I was going and they were asking like, oh, what is it like <laughs> to be working here given the politics? And I was just I, I kind of was like a deer in headlights and I had no idea how to answer. And I realized like how out of touch I was. So it's interesting how I think social media platforms like grapple with with their place in the world, you know, because at the end of the day, they kind of see themselves as this like harmless app. You know? Yeah. And and I think it it's not really a conversation that's being talked about a, a, like that that's an active conversation, but it's really interesting to see, you know, the petitions going on at Twitter and how that led to or that influenced, for example, the the ban of US President's account, you know, and and so it was it's definitely it, it was a really unique experience and I'm really thankful for it. That's that's for sure. But I guess beyond that, I I learned so much from just the software engineers and product managers. And in terms of the engineering aspect, I I really learned about, about like the pipeline of software and like best practices. And so I would say being at a big company for one of my first software engineering internships was really invaluable to me uh, to kind of understand, oh, this is what it's like to run a really international like, tech company. And I had really amazing mentors and mentors in terms of just for my engineering and also career mentors from this like Twitter software engineer I met at a conference who I met even before getting this internship. So I think a support circle was really, really important to me. And and the people there are just so sweet. And so I yeah highly recommend if anyone's ever thinking about working there. <laughs> but more specifically, I was on the semantic core team. So 
they focused on maintaining the Twitter knowledge graph. And they had a sister team in New York and they were focused on moments. And I learned about, you know, larger system designs, getting used to like a huge code base. And my project was to create a data ingest. And through my project, I learned Scala, uh, Finagle slash Finatra and applying concurrency which I learned about as a concept in school, but never really actively applied it. And it was really neat. I think I, I learned this as I went, of course, just to be at a company that focused so much on like open source software and tools that like impacted distributed computing and design. So I brought a lot of the, this experience into my next like software engineering internship and at like in Hong Kong um, at the BFAM hedge fund. And I met, I managed to notice like a lot of similar software practices. So one of my huge takeaways is just that like software became, I think, less scary to me because coming out as a computer science degree but with a computer science degree, I wasn't sure like if it was different everywhere you went and if, you know, switching careers or switching jobs would be really scary, but you use a lot of the same skills to upstart at a new place. And, and yeah, I, I feel, I just felt more confident each time I like moved on to a new job or a new like project. I think to kind of elaborate on what you were saying as well, like how Twitter prepared you for your future careers. I mean, I, I didn't like my experience at Facebook. Yeah. It did prepare me very well for my future job. Mm -hmm. So going from Facebook to working at the Department of Health and Human Services, working on COVID-19 mm -hmm. analytics, you know, in the midst of the biggest pandemic that this country has seen, to working at the Texas Democratic Party and working on like finance data analytics for them during, you know, an election cycle for probably like the most consequential election of our lifetimes. It, it did really prepare me well. So I definitely can attest to the whole, you know, working at big tech does have its perks in terms of you get to learn a lot as an engineer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cause it's so public facing. And to be honest, they're still attracting just so many talented people but yeah definitely has has given me uh, like a more critical eye towards you know software engineering and computer science and like tech's involvement with all other aspects of society you're asking hey, somebody uh, whose biggest uh, appointment to this to this point in my lifetime has been the civic digital fellowship i mean, i don't have any experience in big tech but you know i think it's a good time to transition into our next point i mean my my background having a family who works in public service and not really knowing where my mathematics skills and some of my cs skills can be applied to those realms it was very nice to find an opportunity in civic tech through the civic digital fellowship I mean, you've kind of touched on it here, like working at Twitter and being asked a point blank question about how it affects politics, how Twitter affects politics in this age and needing to have an awareness of how technology is impacting the real world. So I guess my first, the question would be, why would you choose civic tech over working in big tech at a bank company or frankly, even trading or anywhere else? in the technology world. And how did that lead you to work at the Census Bureau this past summer? I think that question is, it's something I'm still reflecting on because I'm so fresh off of the Civic Digital Fellowship. But I think thinking about it aligns better with what I want to learn and the impact that I want to have. Like Ajay was was saying earlier, and, and as we were mentioning earlier, I was really interested in the application of computer science for social good and having 
like I, I took time off mainly just to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. I felt like I had a lot of freedom because no one in my family really had been in technology or been in these kind of fields. I've had family members who did go into public service, but it just never occurred to me that that's something that I wanted to do. And so it was really through just realizing that even when I was doing software engineering internships at like really, I think traditional routes in my opinion, whether it was a big tech company or finance, I was working on like side projects that were more related to my passion. So for example, working on like a housing and security project with my close friends. And this led me to like a social impact fellowship where I, you know, decided to pursue like political tech and civic tech because I was just surrounded by people who really reminded me of like what I cared about and civic digital fellowship. I think also really pushed me towards why civic tech over a tech company, because I met, you know, amazing people like yourselves and passionate people who just were so multifaceted. And like you had, like you had mentioned as well, I felt sort of, it, it, it's still a huge, I think, memory for me when someone asked me, what is it like, how do you feel about the impact of your social, the social tech company that you're working at? on like society. And I, and I just, I didn't have a good answer for that. And I just never really, I didn't actively think about it. And so I think for me to be in civic tech, it not only did it open my eyes to how technology was directly impacting, impacting society, but also I was just surrounded by people who were constantly thinking about that. And, and just, I guess, working in government as a, like a young tech person, it feels a lot like being in an incubator because the government is uh, like the federal government, for example, and and a lot of like civic tech, civic tech groups are really pushing for a better technology. And it often feels like you're in an incubator, which relates back to like what I like about entrepreneurship, where I can learn a lot and really be, be a part of the like entire process from start to end. So not only do I get to work with really talented and experienced folks, I get to like build systems from like the start to the end, which I think is really, really just touches on what I love about the freedom of, of entrepreneurship and like tech. But beyond that, I think civic tech allows, it's like, it's just a rare opportunity when you can find one that you really click with. For example, the remote fellowship that I found and, and the remote team that I found to build like a new system, which is the new project that I'm on is I think for me, harder and it's rare to pass up compared to a, a like a tech company because I, we, we started talking about working in yes. tech and why we choose that so we're interested also in knowing what sort of projects you got to work on while you were in civic technology. So I guess first we should start off with the Census Bureau. We're interested in knowing uh, what sort of projects you got to work on. Now, I think Ajay and I have probably both heard from you about which projects you worked on this past summer, but for our prospective audience who probably doesn't know, uh, could you please enlighten them on the work you got to do? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I was technically known as a data science fellow with the Census Bureau under the Civic Digital Fellowship. And I worked on a small survey at, this, at the census called the Survey of Government Research Development. It's a survey to essentially understand how much each state is spending and what they're spending on in terms of different research at like government institutions, universities and whatnot. And I worked with a small analyst team and one of my favorite project managers, and we built out a new database architecture and inter interface for a more efficient data processing system. So I was wearing my software engineer hat and I prototyped a new 
data processing system for production, or at least what production means for the government level <laughs> and for bureaucracy. But this allowed me to, you know, have the opportunity to pick up new technologies and apply technologies that I was interested in learning, but just didn't really use before. And not only that, I just had so much exposure to people who were strategizing and figuring out, you know, what to do with systems, smaller systems like mine. And the exposure I had led me to my new project that I'm staying on to help with now, which I can't talk too much about it, but it's, it's essentially just, you know, now I get to work even more closely with census data and, um, and building out a larger complex system with, with people who, you know, have that experience. So very thankful for that. That's actually pretty awesome that you were a data scientist. Hey. I was also a data scientist. <laughs> <fellow. Company>, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was at the uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Yang was and at. I was a data science here. fellow at the IRS. So. <laughs> so we were all data science fellows. <laughs> the whole podcast is data science fellows. I mean, I think it's a good combination for our first episode. But I actually kind of wanted to segue into that because I know like one of the recurring themes of this episode especially is that, you know, Yang and I have had some pretty similar backgrounds. <laughs> we both worked at Silicon yeah. We both, you know, worked at varying social networks. But also one of the things that Yang has been a member of, she has been part of this organization called Impact Labs. And Impact Labs runs this summit every year called the Impact Summit. And I actually got to go to the Impact Summit back in 2018, all the way, you know, two and a half years ago, back when I could just travel whenever I wanted to. and. It was actually really cool because I got to meet yeah. Andrew Yang there. He was a keynote speaker, uh, but this is right as he was starting his presidential run. And I remember giving him a couple pointers on like data analytics and stuff, you know, <laughs> before he went down the whole, like his, before his campaign went viral and then he ended up dropping out and now he's running for New York city mayor. And part of his platform is making TikTok hype houses, which is kind of an interesting <laughs> segue from you going from universal based income to making TikTok hype houses in New York City. But I was Wait, I want to sign up for this hype house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Join the campaign and maybe you can get on the TikTok so hype funny. house policy once he comes there. <laughs> but for me, being at the Impact Summit was actually a really cool experience for me. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how the Impact organization is doing now and what your experience. Yeah, again, <laughs> it is so cool that we have so many overlaps and it's like we lived parallel lives almost, which is, which is really neat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I never went to the summit. I know it was virtual this past year, but I actually went for their January fellowship, which was around two or three weeks. And I'm guessing you had met very similar people that I have met. And there were, they were just, they, they blew me out of the water. They were just so energetic, so enthusiastic. And I think during my time off, I just felt so dead. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds really weird, but I, I think that it, I was really trying to figure out and I was doing a lot of soul searching in terms of what I wanted to do and just being around this community and seeing all the hustle in terms of what it takes to care about social impact and to find what you want to do in social impact inspired me and they had brought a ton of speakers working in nonprofits, uh, people who are activists in venture, they were journalists and some of them had previously been in government or they did uh, social good for for profit and so on top of like just technical skills workshops we also formed groups to build out a project and my project surprise surprise was was related to like housing insecurity and it was just a really great 
group to be a part of. And <laughs> I can't emphasize in th is this enough, but I'm just so fortunate to have met them right before lockdown because it was in January. And and just, you know, it's just the same way as like how the Civic Digital Fellowship has remained so tight knit. And I'm just so thankful to have these like online communities still, even with the lack of opportunity to go out and socialize. I hear a lot of the same sentiments. Honestly, having this community has been great, especially in a time where I found yeah. myself spending most of my days in my room or in my house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> having a group of people who are passionate so. about the same things has been wonderful. And I can't be more thankful for that. So as all of us are probably experiencing right now, we're at a bit of a transitional <laughs> phase in our lives and careers. So uh, the next question we wanted to ask you is what are your plans for the next, for the short term, long term? Like, uh, do you plan on going to graduate school? Um, are you going to continue working in tech or specifically civic tech at any level of government or for a private company? Um, we just we're interested in knowing what those plans could be uh, for the short and long term future. Yeah. I, I always wonder when this will stop being a hard question Not in my life. And I think, I guess there were a lot of tough decisions uh, to make this year, even with like all the uncertainty and with COVID and like, you know, personal family matters, everyone was just having so much going on. And for me, I'm, I'm deciding to be with the U.S. Census for like remotely, which is a really great you know, a really great setup for at least the next year and then see where it goes from there. I'm thinking at least for a year or two, I'll be in the workforce and then revisiting whether or not I want to like shift careers in terms of what industry I'm in or go to grad school. And in terms of how I'm paving that path, uh, I think I'm just trying to take the next best step and I just, you know, I've received this advice from a really close person. And I think taking the next best step for me means that, you know, genuinely just putting my all into wherever I am and figuring out what I like and don't like, and then making the next step from that and going forward. So, and then reevaluating, you know, every couple of months, every year, just to see if I'm still happy or if there's something else I'd rather do. I know that's like super up in the air, like answer, but <laughs> but that's I think I'm gonna give myself like time to work and and really embrace you know work for the next year or two before thinking about going back to school or doing something different. Yeah, you're in a very similar place to me, except you actually have a job that pays right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been considering like I, I do my own projects and I've been learning, I've been trying to fill in gaps in my education. But at the same time, like I'm considering going back to school and doing some weird graduate programs that I can qualify for without having a GMAT or GRE because that unfortunately went to the side once the pandemic hit. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, never feel bad about not knowing yeah. where you're going to be in five years, ten years. Thanks. I, that is that is literally. Hey, I don't even know where I'm going to be. Every in interview I get in, that is the most unfair question to ask anyone. <laughs> because you can have in pursuing certain goals. Like I, I would like to be state politician or a net or a politician on a federal level. You have my vote, Evan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know too. <laughs> where I will be in five or ten years. I don't know how my circumstances will change. Also, if I live in my current right, district, right. I would yeah. never win with my political views. So, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> you never know. It would make a significant <laughs> demographic change for me to win as yeah. a center-left <laughs> politician. Young, do you have any advice for younger people trying to find their path path to technology or civic technology and trying to find uh, internships and full-time jobs? This advice would probably would have been useful for me about three years ago. <laughs> but I, I guess it's it's kind of the cliche where embracing the path of yours that's windy. And I, has to, I have to remind myself that a lot. And it's really easy, I think, to be influenced by what other people are doing or where people are. And the thing is, is everyone's different. Everyone has different goals. And so at the end of the day, you like have yourself and you have to, you know, do some soul searching as I was doing and really look into what you're passionate about and then build out your own sort of timeline for skills you want to achieve. So for example, like with the jobs you're interested in, maybe you can note the skills they're looking at and build projects related to that to see if you're actually interested in those roles, not purely just, you know, to apply and say, hey, I've done this project exactly with the skills that you're looking for, right? Because worst case, you realize you don't like it and you learn that you can cross something off your list, but you also have that skill now. Best case, you learn something new and know that like that's what you want to pursue. Like those kind of jobs are what you want to pursue. So that's something that's helped me. Like sometimes I'll just sift through things that I find interested in. And I'm like, hmm, is this something that matches with like what I want to do? Is this something that I can do now? And I think the important thing is a lot of times you don't have to be a perfect match. And I think everyone struggles with expressing like who they're looking for and what they need. And another huge thing is to not take it personally if like you don't get the job that you really wanted because I think it's just, you know, realizing it's it's about the right time and it's about if you're at the right moment and you have you know that current skill set and you just have to like pick yourself back up and like move on and move on to the next thing that could be you know the best thing that you found in your career but the other thing is also don't be afraid to like pat your own back and document your achievements a lot of people i know who are just so talented and you know they and they deserve to like let that be known through a website or their social media or the blog. So I think a lot of that too is the fear of being subjected to like criticism and feedback, at least for me. And so I think once I've been much more open and take things like less personally, I, I, you know, am able to take the feedback and become better at what I want to do, but that's like a work in progress and taking the first step. And it doesn't have to be super public the first time. You can maybe just send it to a few friends. Another thing that I found really invaluable is building relationships, but like genuine relationships, because I think at the beginning of college, it was really easy for me to go down the path of seeing it as a game. You know, like you'll hear networking event this and networking event that. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay, networking. So I should go do that. And I think it's easy to fall into that trap because it is true what they say about like pursuing a career. There's always like these invisible rules and, but you need that like strong support circle to navigate it and people who can be there like through your really high ups and also through your downs. So I guess that ends in like wherever you are right now, evaluate the pros and cons, but also like give it your all and really take the positives of where you are, even if it's not where you feel you belong. And it might not be like, the right fit.
All right, Yang, so we have one last question for you, and it is a question that I like to ask every guest who comes onto our podcast, no matter the industry that they are working in. And it's essentially to kind of sell your career a little bit. So Yang, for our listeners, why should they consider a career in civic technology? Yeah, let me <laughs> let me do this like an ad. Um, just kidding. But civic tech is <laughs> for you if you're passionate about being part of the technolo- technological shift that's happening in the government right now. You're interested in learning about how your government systems work or just a larger system in general. And if you want to be surrounded by incredibly like passionate hardworking and multifaceted folks who know even beyond what they had maybe had their expertise in. to our first episode of Civ Tech Talks. Special thanks to Yong for being the first guest on our podcast. Although we are not planning on releasing an official podcast schedule at the moment, you can expect more episodes to become available on your favorite podcast platform. Please give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at Civ Tech Talks. Thanks, y'all.